following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His graces? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed? Are you washed in the blood? In the blood? In the soul cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin And be washed in the blood of the Lamb There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb Are you washed? Are you washed? In the blood In the blood In the soul cleansing blood of the Lamb Are your garments spotless? Are they white as are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Some glad morning when this life is over I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore I'll fly away Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I have such wonderful, encouraging news to share with you today about prayer and about not hardening your heart. 
But first, let me tell you what happened with the month of May with finances. We started last week in offertory. We were $1,600 in need to finish the month of May. I think that's the shortest we've ever been. And it was hard work. One dear man called in with two or three pledges. His heart is for holiness, for the gospel of Jesus, and he sacrificed, and others of you sacrificed, and I praise God for that. And finally, when we ended the second day of offertory, we were $930 short of having the necessary funds to pay for last month's radio bill. And I received a text that night. I stood in faith, praying that God would cover it, asking if I was to come back and do another offertory day today. And this wonderful brother who listens every day texted me and he said, Pastor, preach the word on Monday. I'll cover the shortfall, $930. I praise Jesus for each one of you. One dear sister sent two pledges. People, you were awesome in the name of Jesus. You are truly brothers and sisters in Christ who want to provide the word of God to this city of Washington, D.C., I praise God for that. I praise God for you. Now let's pray, and we're going to go directly into the Word of God, and I know what I'm going to share with you today will do much to encourage your heart and to set your feet on that straight and narrow path where Jesus will answer your prayers. Some of you today, I know because I got letters this week, are in a wilderness place, a desert place, and you don't know where to turn except Jesus. Well, he's the only one you need to turn to. And I'll share some scriptures that I know will lift your heart. Now let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray for one family in particular who is having a very difficult financial, physical time. Lord, you know who they are. I ask that you would hear their cry. Lord, we come in agreement together that you would hear the cry of their heart and that you would meet their need today. That you would encourage them in the path of righteousness. That you would encourage them to trust you. For you are our deliverer. Lord, thank you for, for each man and woman, each boy and girl, as they listen today, would you meet the cry of their heart? I pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. It's called Pilgrim's Progress because this is a journey. Sometimes the path gets very narrow and very steep and very hard Sometimes there are lions chained beside the path. 
Sometimes demons come and torment and struggle and attack. Sometimes brothers and sisters do. It's not an easy path. But it is straight and it is narrow. So we find in the book of Hebrews an introduction to prayer. And this week we're going to focus on prayer. I pray for one reason. No, two reasons. One, because I love Jesus with all my heart. And secondly, I pray that he will answer me. For me, prayer is not a practice of yoga. It's not a, a mystical thing. It's very concrete. It's very real. And Jesus answers. I want to go to Hebrews 3 and 4 because it opens for us the door of understanding for what it will take to have our prayers answered before the throne of God. And that's what we want. We need answers. We need to have the throne room of heaven open to us that we can with confidence enter into that throne room. <laughs> Hebrews, the third chapter, verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, you must carefully fix your attention on the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ, being faithful to the one having appointed him, even as Moses in all of his house. He's going to use Moses now as an example to say, look, Moses was criticized, condemned, rebelled against. They threatened to stone him. He only had a heart to hear from Jesus and to follow him, no matter what the cost. He was going to follow Jesus. Well, the writer of the book of Hebrews, and I believe it was the Apostle Paul, he's saying Jesus Christ was more faithful than Moses because he built the house. Jesus built the church. Jesus built the house. And so he's been considered worthy of greater honor than Moses because he built the house itself. For every house is built by someone. But the one having built all things is God. And indeed Moses was faithful in all. Moses was a servant of the living God. But Jesus was God. And he is over the whole house. Now, he's saying all of this for this one very important point. That we may hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm until the end. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says... This is Hebrews, the third chapter, verse 8. Today, if you may hear his voice, may you not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of temptation in the wilderness, 
where your fathers tested me, provoked me, and yet saw my works for 40 years. So he's saying, look, in the wilderness, there was an action taken by the children of Israel because they were tempted and they gave in to that temptation. What was the temptation? It was a temptation to harden their heart in unbelief against God and against Moses. They saw the work of God for 40 years. But they would not humble their hearts and they would not submit to the living God of heaven. Instead, they made a choice to harden their hearts. I've come to this point many times in my life. It's a very painful point where you come to a point where you say, can I go any further on this pilgrimage? It seems so incredibly hard and so impossible. The resources aren't there. People are bickering and jealous and arguing and being self-righteous. And you say, can I continue? How can I continue? And the children of Israel in the desert said, we will not continue. And they chose to harden their hearts. Now I've wondered, what was the process of hardening their hearts? Well, they had the life experience of Egypt. And they forgot the beatings they received. They forgot about the beatings. They forgot about the slave labor. And all they could think about was the very diet they had because they were tired of the manna. All they could think about were the wonderful drinks they had. They forgot about the pure water. Essentially, they wanted to be comfortable as they remembered, even though it was utterly uncomfortable where they came from. And so I'm guessing that as the water ran out, as they were facing a strong enemy like the Amalekites, that back in the tents, there were lots of grumblers, accusations, castigations. Moses has no right to do this. And finally, they hardened in a position where they rebelled against God. They said, we've reached our limit. We're we're not going to go any further this way. They reached the limit. What's your limit? Have you reached a limit with God where you've said this is impossible? I don't want to continue this. I can remember on a number of occasions coming before the Lord some 20 years ago 
saying, Lord, could I bail out and just go into business and live a normal life? And my sense was the Lord was saying, yes, you can do that and I'll bless you, but it's not my best for you. Well, you know what? I want God's best. And God's best for us is to be a servant in his house. That's God's best for us. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, Moses was a faithful servant in God's house. And so I did not bail out. I prayed. I stood. Even when I was miserable, painful, tension, pressure. Everything is breaking apart. No. We're called to be servants in the house of God. Not to be pressured by outside influence. And so listen. God says, For this reason I was angry with that generation. And I said they are always led astray in the heart. And they did not know my ways. It's our heart that leads us astray. It's not our mind. It's not our rationale. It's emotionally based. It's rising up of defensiveness and anger. It's in the heart the problem is. Always the heart is what causes a man or woman to turn aside, to judge Jesus, to have accusations against Jesus. It's the heart. And you know, there's almost no way of logicking through our hearts. Our hearts believe what they believe. We feast on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and we are the ones who determine what is right and wrong, not God. It's not until we're faithful in that tree of life that God is the one who decides what is right and wrong. I want to leave the judgment of what is right or wrong in God's hands, certainly not in my hands, and certainly not in the hands of the other members of the children of Israel. It's the heart issue that is so painful. It's the heart that is deceptive and wicked above all things. I plead with God to give me a new heart, a clean heart, and to teach me his ways. Now, you're going to have a very difficult time having your prayers answered if you don't understand some basic things about God's ways. He's not a man that he should lie, but he is a person. And he has personality, and he has ways. 
You notice verse 11, it says, As I swore in my wrath, this is God speaking, they will not enter into my rest. And that word rest in the Greek is cessation at the first level, stopping. But at the deeper level, the meaning of rest is the place of repose, the bedroom of God. He's saying, I became so angry that I said, they're not going to come into my bedroom. In other words, they're not my wife. I'm divorcing them. I'm not going to put up with this. And so the writer of Hebrews says, you must take heed, brethren, lest there be in any one of you an evil heart of unbelief and fall away from the living God. But you must encourage yourselves every day while it is called today, lest any one of you be hardened by the deception of the sin. So the heart takes up a sinful position. And the danger is that heart believes it's right. So many times I've come to the Lord and said, Lord, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. Please don't let me be deceived in this. And there are several signs of deception. Gossip is one of the chief signs of deception. Anger. Defensiveness. They're all indications that my heart may be deceived. If I'm protecting myself in some way, protecting my interest, protecting my territory, it's a good sign that my heart has been hardened by deception of the sin. Now, please understand, as we begin to come to talk about prayer, the first requirement is that I make a decision that I will be faithful in the house of God and I will not allow my heart to be hardened I will not allow my heart to be deceived by sin. That instead I'm going to encourage myself every day in Jesus Christ. And my focus then in prayer is Jesus. I'm not praying against someone. I'm praying to Jesus and I'm asking Jesus for his judgment I'm asking Jesus for his verdict on my life and on my situation we serve a God who is just who is compassionate who is long-suffering who is merciful and who is kind and so we come in prayer and the first requirement is that we not harden our heart against being the servant of Jesus. The first task then, if you're going to be in a position where God will answer your prayer, 
is to repent of all hardness of heart and all judgments of heart and all accusations of heart. I have to tell you many times I've had to go before the Lord and do just that. I've discovered that when I have a very strong agenda, God has a hard time answering my prayers. But I find when I don't harden my heart and I come before Jesus and I ask for very clear direction, I stop talking about it, I stop going in circles, I stop judging, I get quiet before God. And I know his way, and his way, first of all, is do not harden your heart, but open your heart. Today, if you may hear his voice, may you not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Rebellion is like witchcraft. It's like cancer. It spreads to you, to others, to the family. And pretty soon the whole family is hard-hearted and angry. Today, if you may hear his voice, may you not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For some, having heard, rebelled, but not all the ones having come out from Egypt by Moses. In other words, everyone didn't rebel. Some did not harden their hearts. Verse 17, now with whom he was, now whom was he angered by for 40 years? Was it not with the ones having sinned, whose dead bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter into his rest, except to the ones having disobeyed? Now we see that they were not able to enter in because of unbelief. Well, what did they not believe? They did not believe the rhema word of God based on the evidence of his power moving time after time to deliver them. Do you have a testimony of God delivering you time after time in the past? Recall those things to your heart and to your mind. Encourage yourself in Jesus by all the answers he's given to you in the past. And don't harden your heart in unbelief. Don't rebel. Unbelief is rebellion. Unbelief is hardening my heart against the word of God. It's saying, I will believe my own opinion and my own word, and I'm not open to anything else. I know what I know, and I'm going to harden my heart right here. And frankly, it's grotesquely ugly. Chapter 4. Consequently, may we fear, lest a promise being left open to enter into his rest anyone from among you may think to have missed it. For indeed, we are having the gospel preached to us, even as they, 
but the word of hearing did not benefit them, not having been united with faith in them after having heard. Now we, the ones having believed, enter into the rest, just as he said, as I swore in my wrath, they will not enter into my rest. You know the rest that I see many people want? Unanimity. Oneness with others who are in rebellion. I've seen it time after time after time. We find comfort in the misery of others. I'm standing right on the threshold. I believe God has promised to me revival in Washington, D.C. Now, I have to make a decision. I know many other pastors have prayed, cried out before God. Ravenhill, one of my favorite men, David Wilkerson, who's now passed, my precious pastor, my father in the faith, And many others have prayed for revival. And I come also praying for revival. Does that mean I will see revival? Well, I believe God has promised me I will. I've seen small revivals in my past. I've seen a revival in a in a boarding school where the whole place is turned upside down and classes stop and everyone is weeping before God, everyone is confessing their sins and getting right with Jesus. I've seen that in a closed atmosphere. But the Lord promised me I would see it out in the open in Washington, D.C. Not just at the National Prayer Chapel, but in churches all over this city. Will I see it? I stand by faith that I will, but if I don't, I won't stop praying. Because God's word is sure. I don't know what his timing is, but I know what his heart is. I know what his way is. Now, believe me, the devil is going to bring every possible attack against those I love and against me to stop us from praying the will of God concerning the loss of Washington, D.C. and this country of, of America. He's going to do everything he can to block that and stop it. He'll deceive. He'll accuse. I'm not buying it. But you see, it is a decision on my part. It's a decision about whether I'll grow angry. It's a decision about whether I'll grow discouraged and despondent and give up. It's a decision about whether I'll harden my heart and say, God promised it, it hasn't happened, it's not going to happen, I quit. It's a decision. Now please understand this, it's so vital that you get this. 
When you go into the prayer closet, that's the first standard. No matter what happens, don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. Don't be deceived by wickedness, either in your own being or outside. Don't be deceived by wickedness. That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Stand firm in the word of the living God. Know his ways. It says, we are having the gospel preached to us even as they, but the word of hearing did not benefit them, not having been united with faith in them after having heard. I've heard the word. I've heard the rhema word of God that he is going to breathe his Holy Spirit in revival power at the National Prayer Chapel and in this city. I've been encouraging some other pastors. I've been saying to them, believe the Lord God. He is going to bring revival to your church. And one pastor said, I've been waiting so long, I don't know how much longer I can wait. It's a decision of whether or not you will believe the word of God or whether you will harden your heart. Do you understand that what's happening today in the American church, including the National Prayer Chapel, has to be dramatically changed? For we are not prepared to enter into revival. What do I mean? I mean when there is the opinion of man of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When men and women lack love and compassion in their hearts, when they are judgmental, when they are only after entertainment, when they want their life outside of Jesus Christ, when they are being carried along by the current of the world and not the flowing current of holiness... then they cannot enter in. I've been a part of the holiness church movement for most of my life. And I see one great danger in the holiness movement in people who say, I want to be righteous. What happens is they reach a point where they stop growing. They reach a point where they begin to solidify their positions. They reach a point where they're not open and soft and malleable by the Holy Spirit. They reach a point where they begin to make a list of of regulations and laws. And if I do all these things, then I'm righteous. They begin to calcify. And if anything goes against that calcification and that self-dignity, Whoa. Then there's a hardening of the heart. Oh Lord. Deal with my heart today that it would not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That my heart would not be hardened by 
any self-delusion. Lord, we as a congregation come to you and say, Lord Jesus, we want to enter into your rest. We want to be under the authority and the power of your Holy Spirit. And we submit to you, Jesus, in whatever you say and whatever you want. And we will not set up false standards or false ideas. Lord, we want the truth. We want you. We want the way. We want you. We want the life. Jesus, we want you. So, Lord, today, would you give us the courage to enter into rest with you? I can't think, Lord, of anything that would be more heartbreaking than to have you swear in your wrath against me that I cannot enter into your rest. Lord, that's terrifying to me to even contemplate. Lord, I have no righteousness of my own. All my righteousness is as filthy rags. And all I have that is of value is the righteousness that you have given to me by your grace and by your mercy, by your kindness. As you have transformed my life and made me into a new person. Lord Jesus, I love you. Lord, I pray for every person listening to this broadcast right now. I ask that we would not harden our hearts. Lord, this is the greatest concern I find in the entire book of Hebrews. Lord, Hebrews is so rich in so much, but hardening my heart blocks you from being able to bring to me even your precious blood. And yet, Lord, so quickly I can harden my heart. Lord, that's why I need revival. To make it utterly inconceivable that I should harden my heart against you. Lord, have your way today. Be lifted up today, Jesus, Son of the living God. Lord, I worship you today. Come quickly. Lord, my heart is so moved with compassion for your people. It's so easy to get off track and be deceived and harden our hearts. And Lord, forgive us. Forgive me. Forgive your people. Would you come and do a new work in us? Would you examine my heart for any hardness before you?
Thank you, Lord. I worship you. Amen. The writer of the book of Hebrews continues in chapter 4. He says, Today, if you may hear his voice, may you not harden your heart. It's hard not to harden your heart when the finances are gone. The way is blocked. It looks like you're going to die. It's hard not to harden your heart when you've been in a job that's dead end and you're not happy with it and you feel trapped. It's hard not to harden your heart. When things don't go the way you expect them to go, it's hard not to harden your heart. But when you harden your heart, you stop the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and you cannot enter into his rest. Recently, I was very, very upset about a very specific issue. The issue is unimportant. But I couldn't sleep. I woke up about 2.30. I, I rolled in bed for a bit and finally began to pray. And I was so distraught, so filled with anxiety. Finally, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. And he said to me, did you not agree to receive from my hand exactly what I would give you? And I said, yes, Lord, I did. And as I said that, a cool breeze began to blow through my soul. And all the fear left. All the anxiety was quenched. And I entered into his rest. A place of peace and quiet. A place where I knew his presence ruled. Have you experienced this? Are you willing to receive only from the hand of God what he chooses to give you? And don't put any conditions on what he can give you? The Lord has given me many, many, many wonderful, wonderful gifts. But he also, seven years ago, gave to me the death of my wife. Am I to accept the good and not the painful? No. When I enter into Jesus, I accept whatever he chooses to give me. And in that place of repose, in that place of God's bedroom, my heart is at peace, even if it is a most painful time. I trust him. Verse 8, Now if Joshua gave them rest, he would not have spoken concerning another day after that. Consequently, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one having entered into his rest, even he himself rested from his work as God rested from his own. 
So may every effort be made to enter into that rest that no one may fall by the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active. It makes things happen sharper than any two-edged sword and it piercing as far as the division of both soul and spirit, both joints and marrow, even able to discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now there is not a creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked in having been laid bare to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Are you willing to let God be totally in charge of what he gives you and not harden your heart? Not harden your heart. Now as we come toward the end of the broadcast, I've saved the very best to last. (laughs) And this is awesome. Having then, a, this is uh, the fourth chapter, verse Hebrews four fourteen. Having then a great high priest, having passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Now we do not have a high priest, not being able to sympathize with our infirmities, but having been tested in all things according to a likeness of our nature, apart from sin. So Jesus was tested in every way as we are. He was tested in every way as we are, but without sin. Now verse 16, and this is the good news. If we've not hardened our hearts, If we've been willing to receive from God what he chose to give us, he says, may we come near then to the throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Literally, help in well-timed need. In other words, for a very specific need, we can come into the throne room of God with confidence and ask for his grace and his mercy. But now let me tell you about the Greek word for time of need. Literally, it means frapping. Well, what's frapping? It's not a word we're acquainted with. Well, in that day when an ocean-going sea vehicle, a boat, was going into heavy weather, and there was a danger that the ship would break apart. They would take a rope or chain, and they would wrap it around the boat in order to hold the hull together so that the ship would not break apart in the storm. I've been saying, Lord, would you frap my life right now? Would you frap the National Prayer Chapel right now? I've been saying, Lord, will you frap this radio listening audience right now? I've been coming with confidence into the throne room of grace, confident that we will receive mercy, 
confident that we may find grace in the time of need, that we will not break up in this strong storm. And some of you today are facing storms that look like they're going to break you apart and destroy you. And I'm coming saying, no. Ask Jesus to frap your ship. Ask Jesus to put a chain around your ship, your home, your marriage, your job. Ask Jesus to put a a strong chain around your household. And if you have not hardened your heart, if you've not been deceived by the deceitfulness of your heart, and you've not hardened your heart against the Most High God, but you have humbled your heart with no agenda except to receive from His hand what He chooses to give you, no matter what the storm you're going to go through, oh, you may get seasick, and you may be in pain, but you will go through. God will carry you through. Now I want to pray. Lord, the introduction to prayer that you've given to us today is that we should come to you based on the word you've spoken to us and believing the things you have done for us, the prayers you have answered. Lord, I come to you today with confidence, knowing that I have not hardened my heart, that I have not allowed the deception of sin to come into my mind, that I am washed in the blood, that I'm walking clean before you. And I ask Jesus today that you would frap the ship of the brothers and sisters who are listening to this broadcast right now, that you will wrap their lives in the divine rope, that their ship will not break apart in the storm through which they are going, whether it be physical illness or financial stress or a job lost. Lord, whatever it is, a relationship that has broken, Lord, whatever it is that my brother and sister are facing today, I'm standing by faith for them right now that they will not break apart and go down in this storm. Lord, I've seen your deliverance time after time after time. And you know that right now I need miraculous deliverance deliverance for this radio broadcast deliverance for each person who listens deliverance for the national prayer chapel and deliverance for my personal life and I am standing by faith based on your word that you see everything that's happening You see everything that could happen. And I hear you saying, put away your fears. Go into my bedroom. 
and just rest with me. But Lord, I'm dying. Go into the bedroom and rest with me. But Lord, you don't understand. This is impossible. I'm terrified. Go into the bedroom and rest with me. Lord, thank you. I praise your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. I love you and I love your people. Lift them up today in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank each of you who has made it possible for me to come on the broadcast today. You have sacrificed and given, and I'm going to ask that you begin sacrificing and giving right now because I don't want to face in June what I faced at the end of May. So please, would you already begin to give and make possible this month that I will not have to do an offertory at the end of the month? If you would, send your check, money, or mail order to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. If you would, go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You'll find today's broadcast there and many other messages, podcasts, videos. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I pray that this message today has encouraged your heart. I'll talk to you soon.